Why so serious? If you haven't seen this movie, you probably shouldn't be here. So with that said, let's review Joker. Spoilers. <laughs> Joker follows Arthur Fleck, who is portrayed as a nobody, despite his desperate need to be a somebody or something to a somebody else. This movie, I think, was drastically prejudged and misconstrued, misinterpreted for its inciting of violence before the release of the movie even. Which is really sad because I think that this movie gives voice to a lot of voiceless out there with its fictional tale. People want to say it's inciting violence, but in reality, this film tells tells the story of, of somebody losing their patience, losing faith in his surroundings because he's so tired of being invisible. I think that the message behind this whole movie is really powerful P if people would just open their mind a little bit to take in the, the message. We have Joaquin Phoenix playing Arthur, F Arthur Fleck, Robert De Niro playing Murray Franklin, the TV talk show host, and Zazie Beetz playing Sophie Dumond, who is Arthur Fleck's neighbor. Sorry, neighbor. Arthur's introduction to us is clearly in, in deep isolation. He's with people, but still isolated. In his own world, Arthur is shown to be a representation, a, a representative of the two faces of comedy. Comedy and tragedy. We all know those, those two pictures so close together, and I think that's, that's by design. And this is right off the bat. They immediately establish great sadness and, and strife in Arthur's life. There's nothing for him to laugh at, despite his trauma response, which is to laugh. A lot of irony there. In that first scene after the title sequence with a therapist, after he's been beaten up by the kids, we get to see his laughter, and it's painful. He's choking it down, to, trying to stop laughing at literally nothing. His therapist just sits there and lets the laughing fit happen before she begins talking. She reads a joke in his joke book. <clears throat> I hope my death makes more sense than my life. And Arthur lets out a small, genuine laugh. <laughs> we get to see... I, I didn't notice that until my third or fourth viewing of this movie, is that he... He does this little, like that, and he lets himself, that's the first genuine laugh we get to see from him. Then, I lost my place in the notes. That makes me wonder what his relationship is to real laughing, real laughter. Does he really get to laugh? If he's pursuing a, a life in stand-up comedy, he must think of himself as being funny. And I, I think with just a few lines of dialogue, we understand just how lonely this guy is. He says to the therapist, I, I think I told you I was pursuing a life in stand-up comedy, a career. And she says, no, I don't think you did. And then Arthur says, I think I did. Signifying that the therapist must keep forgetting things that Arthur shares with her. Her forgetting what he said pokes that open wound. It's a gaping wound in Arthur's life, which is not seen by many other people, really at all. If the therapist forgot what he said, she didn't hear what he said. The kid on the bus, staring at Arthur, it, he makes a frowning face because he even knows that Arthur said. 
So Arthur snaps out of it and tries to make the kid laugh. It's a very wholesome moment, and the mom kind of steps all over it, like a Karen. She scolds Arthur, completely dismissing and misinterpreting him in that moment, which sends Arthur into a laughing fit on the bus, and we see him, again, choking it down, and he hands her this medical card that explains his condition. It's a real condition, by the way. And it's a heartbreaking scene, because Arthur is never seen by people. He's... He's never seen, understood, or interpreted correctly, and that can drive a person insane. We get more and more insight into Arthur's world and his experience. After the bus scene, we go into Arthur caring for his mother. They have this nightly or weekly routine where they watch a, a late night show together. This is the Franklin Murray show, the Robert De Niro hosted show, which is a callback to King of Comedy, where he was the crazy guy watching Jerry Lewis's show every week. This then transitions into a dream sequence where Arthur is in the audience watching the live show instead of at home on TV or on his TV. He dreams that his favorite talk show host calls him son. He embraces him and the score gets super dreamy and lovey. Then the score transitions into a little bit more menacing of a sound, foreshadowing Arthur's descent into madness and intolerability of the people around him, especially at work. He has his co-worker who gives him a gun, only to later throw him under the bus. When Arthur gets seen with that gun, the co-worker goes, yeah, this dude, uh, he's carrying guns around and stuff, when he's the person that provided it to him. That really has to hurt. Also, he, ha he does another genuine laugh when the co-worker gives him the gun. Arthur laughs for the second time, but it's a real one after he receives the gun. He gets called into his boss's office, and he is now accused of something that he didn't do. When he tries to further explain, he's not believed. People's treatment of, of Arthur exponentially propels him into what he ends up becoming. Arthur starts coping with that situation of just doing this crazy smile and holding it and not knowing how to handle himself when the boss is just scolding him. His curiosity with the, with the gun that he was given starts to grow on him. You start to see that. He's watching TV just playing with the gun. He even points it right at his mother's empty chair, kind of foreshadowing what happens later. Right after that, we see Arthur watching stand-up, and he's laughing at all the wrong times. There's no, no part of his laugh that's genuine this time. He's confused when everybody else is laughing, and then the comedian will just state a fact that's not even a joke, and Arthur cackles at it. We see him riding with his right hand, and he puts it down, and he thinks he's only written half of a joke. And then he picks it up with his left hand, and he writes the rest of the joke, and it looks like all scribble. But that right there is him switching personalities, signifying that he is being taken over by this left side of himself, which is the Joker. <laughs> Gag. Whoa. Open a window. Pull out the casket. Um, what, 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 why? When he's performing for the sick kids at the hospital, like um, Patch Adams, basically. <laughs> the gun that he's given falls out of his pants onto the ground. Probably the funniest scene of the whole movie is is Arthur picking up the gun, scrambling, and then just waiting there and going... <laughs> and for that, he gets fired. 
Now he's just lost his job and he's on the subway. This is pivotal for the Arthur to Joker transformation that happens. He's used to being beat up on the streets and this time he finally has the power to put a stop to the beating. All of a sudden one of the people beating him up gets shot right in the head. Arthur is putting his, his gun to use. He's standing up for himself. He starts off using the gun with, in self-defense and then he crosses the line into murder. I think because he wanted to keep feeling that feeling for as long as he could. He even stands there and just points a gun at the guy for 30 seconds after he's been shot. After he shot it. Then Arthur runs into the public bathroom at the train station and he starts to dance to this music that's in his head. And the director and, and Joaquin Phoenix really wanted music to be involved in this character's soul. And that's interesting because comedy and music, if you have comedic timing, you have music timing, I'm convinced. I think it's the same wavelength, so uh, it's interesting that they added that aspect here. And he starts doing this dance because he's just had a, a, a personal victory. He's experiencing a stronger drug than an actual drug could give him. It represents the caterpillar coming out of the cocoon. Now, now he's this butterfly. The music becomes so powerful and overwhelming as Joker stands there like this in the, in the mirror looking at himself. How he acts in the next scene, cleaning out his locker. It's, it's with a, a whole new persona. He's much more confident even though he's clearing out his locker and being made fun of by his co-workers, former co-workers. The men are all discussing who killed the, the three men in the subway. Oh, some dude in a clown mask or whatever. Not even realizing that the killer is standing right there in the room. Arthur knows he's not going to be believed, but he almost revels in this, in this time. He goes, uh, yeah, the gun was never mine. It was this guy's, and I still owe you money for the, for the gun that you gave me. And the co-worker's like, what are you talking about? No, I didn't. Obviously, that would be the response to somebody who, who has done that. Then right before he walks out, he's like, oh, I forgot to clock out. And he punches the thing over and over until it falls. Classic. He's back at the therapist now, doing a lot more talking than the first time. He lays into her with the whole spiel, ending with, I said growing up I never even knew if I existed, but I do, and people are starting to notice. Very powerful words coming from Arthur, given the context of what we've seen from him and learned so far. Joker inv invites his, his neighbor Sophie to come watch him do stand-up, but his stand-up goes so poorly. He gets, he gets really nervous, and he has this laughing fit on stage. It's really hard to watch and super uncomfortable. But he powers through it, and I don't know if he knows that it's being filmed or not, but they film his whole set, which is now about to play on live TV for everybody to see. He finishes his date with Sophie, and she says something that encourages him. They see a newspaper about the three men who were just killed on the subway. And she says, I think the man that killed them is a hero. From our perspective, that's not good for Arthur to hear. Because we've been with him this whole time and we know the truth as to who killed them. So this is just such an ego boost for him. This just reaffirms to him that what you just did is good. He goes home and he dances with his mother. And he's in the best mood possible. His mother goes to bed and he finds a piece of mail sitting out. A letter, so he reads it, and it's from his mother to Thomas Wayne, Batman's dad. 
which is how he learns that he's the son of Thomas Wayne at two. And his mother never told him this. So he throws it, it throws his whole world upside down. And it's, it's just devastating information to find out. But he, he blows up and his mother ends up explaining her side of things. So now Arthur goes to Wayne Manor. He meets young Bruce Wayne. And he tries to make him laugh with a little show. But I think Arthur recognizes the same sadness in Bruce that he has in himself. Which is evident with the smile that he does to both himself in the beginning and then to Bruce here in this scene. Alfred induces some doubt in Arthur's mind. She was delusional. She was a sick woman. Given Arthur's state of mind, that's actually pretty believable. So we as the audience click. We disassociate from Arthur and we kind of go, oh, this delusion must run in the family about his mother's mental health, which sends Arthur into a laughing fit again, telling them he's adopted. I think the most engaging scene is when Arthur goes into Arkham Asylum to find some more information on his mother. And that there was very immense trauma to his brain at a very young age, which has caused him to forget a lot and to develop this laughing. This is extremely devastating news, thus sending him into the, the most intense laughing fit of the whole movie. Like, he can't stop. He's at home just laughing and laughing, and people are pounding on his, on his wall going, Shut up! There is no more Arthur. There is only Joker now. Arthur never really was. That line about him not existing actually came back to haunt him and confirms his suspicions Arthur never really, really was. He never really did exist in the, in the way that his mother told him. Then we find out that Arthur has not been going dates on, with dates, oh my gosh, that Arthur has not been going on dates with Sophie. It's all been inside his head and his imagination too. His perception of all things good, comfortable, familiar have all been thrown out the window, which is why he visits his mom in the hospital and suffocates her. He goes, I, th I used to think my life was a tragedy, but now I know that it's a comedy. He prepares to go on Murray's show because he's asked to. He's going on his favorite talk show host show now. So he dances more, applying the makeup in his bathroom, but it's a happy dance. There's a lot of percussion. There, it's, it's extremely joyful as opposed to the first dance dancing sequence that he had. Now he's dancing down the stairs and he starts to get chased by the cops. And they understand that his mother's just died, but probably been killed. But also just before this, the cops might not even know this part. He has just brutally killed one of the, one of the uh, co-workers, the co-worker who gave him the gun and then sold him under the bus. That's another reason that he's dancing is because he has just eliminated anybody who's wronged him in the past. Which leads to him going onto that same subway that he was born, pretty much. The Joker, you know. Everybody's wearing a Joker mask, including him, so he can, he can get away from the cops easily. He's just killed so many people and then like caused a ruckus downtown, so I don't know how he ever made it to the show. Joker is getting his revenge for being ridiculed so publicly. I believe Joker's true intent was to tell us a joke and then shoot himself at the end of the joke. I think that was his actual intent. But as the conversation goes with Franklin Murray, Murray, as he calls him so many times in the scene, his blood starts to boil 
and I think his true intent goes out the window. I don't think that he ever really, when he first sat down, meant to go for Murray with the gun. I think it was all for himself, like he had practiced. We had seen him practice. I think that was going to be his punchline, but it shifted. It no longer became a punchline. Now he goes into a full-fledged rant. He goes off the rails, starts screaming at people, all about people's perspective on mental health. Like, what he's saying is kind of preachy, but really, like, actually important. And, and it hits home. It's very truthful. It's about how the only the wealthy are noticed or taken seriously. And I, during his rant, I think he realizes Murray's the one that needs to die, and Joker has a lot to say. Joker is only the beginning. This is an, an origin story. It's not the end to a story. So to see Joker sitting in the back of a cop car with pandemonium occurring around him, his laugh, he laughs in excitement. He's so pleased that his actions have been noticed, copied, and even worshipped. Joker has finally been seen. Joker has finally been heard. Someone as lonely and as abandoned as Arthur Fleck could only ever dream of becoming so popular as the Joker later becomes. I think this movie gives voice to the powerless and the unseen in the guise of a superhero villain movie. The steps taken by Arthur to finally be seen are not the actions that one should take to be seen. This movie touches on what can happen when somebody goes unseen and unheard for too long. Arthur becomes the Joker at 42 years old. 42 is a long time to struggle and be beaten down. No wonder he finally became the Joker. Now Joker is in uh, therapy at Arkham Asylum, and he's genuinely laughing at a joke. Not painfully laughing at a trauma this time. He, now he finds a few things around him funny. Since he's gone from seeing everything from a tragedy through that lens, through seeing it through the lens of comedy now, that would change somebody's whole persona and lifestyle. Or even how they conduct themselves. Joker says, nothing can hurt me anymore. And I believe him. His whole perspective has changed now, and now he's immune to everything that used to hurt him when he was Arthur. And that was everything that I wrote. But, uh, yeah, I think that this movie represents incels, honestly. People want to label them as, as incels. I don't know where that, where that word comes from, but I really, truly think that society has a big part to play in the creation of incels and why they literally do and can stay in that position for life. Because in times that th they're like a pressure cooker and pressure builds up so much that a, a, the top is bound to pop off at some point. And when the top pops off, it somehow surprises everybody because none of the pressure building up was seen or noticed by anybody. And that's what this movie has to say is uh, that the top popping off shouldn't be such a shock to everybody. I think that's what it's talking about. But yeah, that is my review of The Joker. Hopefully you guys like this movie as much as me. But uh, thank you guys so much for being here and watching these, watching these reviews. I enjoy doing these. And I enjoy the role of film reviewer or the identity of film reviewer, something cinema-related being more attached to me than it already is on, on social media. So 
I love movies. They are extremely impactful to me, and I think that they speak a lot of truth as to what people do go through, at least the movies I watch. So, I'll see you guys next week. Peace.